welcome to this inspiring message brought to you by Kingsword Media Outreach, a part of Kingsword Ministries International. We hope this teaching inspires you and transforms you into all that God has destined you to be. Please stay tuned for more information about Kingsword Ministries International following this message. May God bless you as you listen. Faith or foolishness? Maximizing the believer's voice of victory. So all through the month of August, we'll be looking at this, faith or foolishness. And each service has a focus. Today, we're focusing on, did God really speak to me? Did God really speak to me? You know, many a times, um, believers, we have that doubt whether or not God spoke to us. After we have gone forth to do certain things and then we cannot see the result, then we're asking, oh, did God really speak to me? But before God spoke to me, you know, you heard the voice of God. I mean, I've met people who come to me and say, Pastor, God spoke to me. I had the dream and the vision and I was on the mountain and there seven angels came and gathered. When somebody comes to tell you like as a pastor, you have nothing to say because God has spoken to the person. So if God has spoken, who are you, a pastor, to speak? No, because God has already spoken. And then six months down the line, he say, Pastor, it's like, I said, what happened? I said, and that thing, I'm not really sure. So there's the, there's the question in the heart, did God really speak to me? I'm sure you have things that you have attempted, things that you've tried to do, accomplish, and then you started out well, you are on fire, then somewhere along the line, you started asking, am I really sure it is God? Did God really speak to me? First John chapter 5 and verse 4 says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? So it gave us the classification of those who overcome the world. Those that believe that Jesus is the son of God. So it means that overcoming the world is not everybody's um, idea or agenda or plan or goal. No. It says, but everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. If you are born of God, say I'm born of God. Say it again, I'm born of God. So I have the criteria to overcome the world. What does it mean to overcome? What it means is that there will be things, circumstances and situations that will come against me trying to stop me from winning. Trying to stop me from ruling and reigning. So when I overcome the world, I'm overcoming the world because there is something in me that needs to find expression. So I'm, I, I'm not just overcoming the world because we just want to overcome and then show that we have overcome. No. There's something in you that needs to come out. There is a God part of you that needs to come out. There's a dimension of God in you that the world needs to see. The world don't need to see you. We don't need to see you. What we need to see is Jesus. So if Jesus is coming out through you, then there is something for you to overcome because the world will try to stop Jesus from coming out of you. So when that happens, the you that is born 
born of God now overcomes the world. You don't overcome the world because you are born on earth. No. It didn't say everyone who is born on earth. No. It says everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. So it means that when God is inside of me, there are things that will come to me that will try to suppress the God in me. Because the God in me cannot be suppressed, cannot be put under, then I have the ability naturally in the spirit to overcome the world. The message translation says, every God begotten person overcomes the world's ways. Every God begotten person overcomes the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. So what is being threatened is our faith. What is being attacked is our faith. So the devil is not after your money. He's not after your marriage. He's not after your family. He's not after your job. He's after your faith. What is being threatened is our faith. So the end result of the challenges is that your faith will no longer rest in Jesus. That's the end result. So you say, Pastor, you know what? I've been going through this and going through that. I want to tell you that those things are not the problem. The issue is that the enemy is attacking your faith. Because if he can get you to shift your faith and your focus from Jesus, then everything is settled. But as long as your focus remains on Jesus, he will keep coming and keep attacking you. Because he needs to get your faith off that first. Because that is the faith, that is the victory that overcomes the world. So as long as your faith is intact, then there's victory. Peter was going to deny Jesus and Jesus told him, Satan has decided to sift you like wheat. He said, but I have prayed for you, not that the challenges will not come, not that you will not deny me, but that your faith should not fail. So I asked the Holy Spirit, that, but, but Peter denied Jesus. He says he denied him, but his faith didn't fail. I said, how? He said, Jesus said to him, he said, when you have, when you have come back to your senses, go and strengthen your brothers. So he denied Jesus, but his faith didn't fail. Because if, it, if his faith had failed, then the prayer of Jesus was not answered. He said, I prayed for you, not that you will not go through what you will go through. But I prayed for you that while you are going through it, your faith will not fail. I pray for someone today. Whatever it is that you go through, no matter how high, no matter how deep inside, your faith will not fail. Your faith will not fail. Because that is the faith that overcomes the world. That's what overcomes the world. I've met people who have said to me, Pastor, what I'm going through, I don't think anybody in this world has gone through it before. The question still remains that your faith should not fail. Because it's in that faith that overcomes the world. So the believer is not powerless. He's not weak or incapable. God has put us in a position of victory. And the voice that amplifies that victory is our faith. So our faith keeps shouting and screaming. I'm here. I'm here. I'm still standing and I'm still, I'm still rooting for Jesus. I'm here. So the, the, your faith keeps shouting and keeps screaming and gets louder and louder. 
And through it all, your faith is there. Through it all, your faith is there. And the Bible says, that is the one that overcomes the world. That overcomes the world. The Amplified Version in verse 5 says, the person who wins, who wins out over the world ways, is simply the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God. The default state for every believer is victory. Is victory. That's your default state. That even in the face of difficulty, God guarantees you victory. Even in the face of, of unpleasant circumstance and situation, God guarantees you victory. That's your default state as a believer. Whatever you go through, the end result is that you will have victory. It says there remains a crown of life for them that endures till the end. So I ask myself, if there is a crown of life and it is for those who endure till the end, what do I need to do? Endure till the end. It's if I don't believe there's a crown of life that I won't endure. Even the Bible said of Jesus, he said, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. So he knew that there is a joy set before me. So whatever challenge I'm going through, I will despise it. I will endure the cross because there is a joy set before me. So he believed that so much. So all the pain and beating was nothing compared to the joy that was set before him. So he endured till the end and then he got the crown of life. 2 Corinthians 4 and 13. It says, yet we have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote. This is the amplified version. I have believed and therefore I have spoken. We too believe and therefore we speak. Assured that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will raise us up also with Jesus and bring us alongside with you into his presence. So the reason we speak is that we have an assurance. We have an assurance that the one that raised Jesus will also raise us up. The reason we speak is because we have a confidence in him and that confidence is anchored through our faith. So because of that we speak, because of that we declare. Because we believe and therefore we speak. Psalm 116 verse 10. It says, I believe, trusted in, relied on and clung to my God. And therefore have I spoken even when I said I am greatly afflicted. Come on. Even when I said I am greatly afflicted, I believe and I spoke. So challenges don't mean that your faith has failed. God hasn't showed up for you. It's been one year, it's been two years, it's been three years. It doesn't mean your faith has failed. Oh, pastor, I've been trusting God for a long time. It doesn't mean your faith has failed. It doesn't mean. It says, even when I said I'm greatly afflicted, I trusted in, I relied on, I clung to my God and therefore have I spoken. 
So in spite of it all, I still speak. In spite of it all, I still declare God's word. Because that's where my victory is. That's why we said maximizing the believer's voice of victory. Whatever you go through, your voice should not be silent. Because that's your faith. That's your anchor. They can take everything away from you. But they shouldn't take your voice. They shouldn't take your, your voice of faith. No. They shouldn't take your ability to speak and declare. No matter what you're going through. Sometimes you find yourself in contrary situations. Especially when you know you heard God. I mean, have you ever been there? Say, but I heard God. I heard God about this. Single people that have been in previous relationships, you know, and you've been out of it, you know it. Say, ah, but God spoke to me about this brother James. <laughs> brother James. <laughs> but I heard God. How come? Brother James is now eyeing Sister Amaka. <laughs> but I heard God. God spoke to me. <sighs> and then you start doubting. Is it not God that spoke to me? But you heard God. It's possible that you heard God. And God spoke to you. But you, you fail to realize that. Could it be that Brother James decided to go another route in the spirit and God has seen that brother James has derailed from the plan that both of you should have together that God spoke to you then doesn't mean that because brother James has derailed then God should just keep his word like that no he loves you too much and he also loves brother James so while he's Keeping brother James and trying to restore him. He now tells you that there is brother John that does not look like it. And after service, brother John is outside thinking of how he's going to trek home. And then you, you are driving past. You say it cannot be brother John. But what you don't know is that brother John, God is working with him in the spirit. Come on, someone. And there's something in the future that just match your own and his own. I tell people that when God brings you on earth, it is not, it doesn't write on people's head. When you come, go and marry brother John. You, when you come, marry sister. No, no, no. God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. So it's possible that God spoke to you. But then there are certain things you need to understand. That when God speaks to you, he's not trusting in your ability, but in his person. He's not trusting in your ability, but in his person. God is not after your goal. He's after his agenda. He's not after your goal. God is not enthusiastic about what you want to do or become so that you show people that you have arrived. No. That's not what excites him. No. What excites him is that you are championing his goal. You are championing his vision. You are championing the things that he wants to do. That's what excites him. So when God speaks to you, he's speaking to you about his agenda, about his vision, about his, about his dream, what he wants done, what he wants accomplished through you through you when you buy a bottle of coca-cola have you ever read the container what does it say 
liquid contents only. Liquid contents only. God walks through you to accomplish what he wants done. You can't be greater than him. Genesis chapter 12. The father of faith whom we call Abraham. I think that's a good place to start. Genesis chapter 12 from verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God spoke to Abraham here. It was not, God was not after Abraham's agenda. Yes, he was going to bless him, but he was after his own agenda. What he planned to do. Abraham was going to be a channel to bless the world, through which God will bless the world. But whatever blessings that came to Abraham was not the goal of God. Is someone hearing me? So the reason you're asking God, God, you know what? I want to work for Shell. Oh, that has been my dream. That has been my goal. And you're, you're, you're just thinking, ah, by the time I work for Shell, ha, 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 ha. Mama, I make up again. I will show her. Hey, hey. That's not the goal. Then you start calculating. Pay me 1.2. I buy RX 330. If I save for three months, I buy RX 330. At that time, to be December, I go village. As an investor, that's not the goal. Will you buy RX? Yes. Does God want you to buy RX? Yes. But that's not the goal. He's after his own agenda. So while you are there calculating RX, and God is saying, "Ha," ah, she doesn't even know that I want to give her a Range Rover. Kai, and you are using your. 1.2 to calculate Rx. And God is just looking at you. Kai, you have no idea. So Abraham was there calculating. Huh? I don't have a child. And God is saying, you have no idea. I want to make you the father of nations. You are looking at, ah, you shall just have one child. Just, God, just, just give me one child. One children. And God is saying, you have no idea that my agenda is bigger than your goal. So the moment you begin to make God's agenda your agenda, you see beyond your present circumstance. You see beyond the limitations. You even see beyond the problem. You realize that you are in a bigger picture. So God doesn't speak to you because of your ambition. No. He doesn't speak to you because um, if he gives you a house, you will feel good. Will you feel good? Yes, but that's not the goal. That's not the goal. Say, God, all these people that are just driving past, they cannot even just carry somebody. When I buy my car, hmm, hmm, hmm. as I'm going like this, anybody I see, I'll just carry, carry, carry. You will buy that car, but I can assure you, you will not carry anybody. Because by the time you buy it, 
another thought will come. Only God knows who is kidnapper, who is not kidnapper. If I carry this one now, she has a carry bag. Maybe it's gone that is inside. Let me just be going. I think it's Holy Spirit that just told me. It's not Holy Spirit. It's your fear. It's your fear. Sometimes we, we, we put ourselves in positions where we feel like we cannot be something because of what we don't have. No. It's not because of what you don't have. Many of you that, when you were younger, you used to say, ah, this is my uncle that is in our blood. He cannot even send somebody $100. Come on, $100. Even if it's $50, I can't even send. Now you are an uncle. Send somebody $100. Now you are an auntie. Send somebody 10,000 and you will know how far. See that, my uncle, very, very stingy. Ah, when we are growing up, it does not help anybody. Auntie, uncle, you will become uncle and you will become auntie. The same way you are looking at them, they will look at you. Say, ah, look at that, auntie. And you'll be saying in your mind, ah, and they don't just know what's going on with me. God is not after your agenda, He's after His own agenda. So you need to know the person of God. When God speaks to you, he doesn't consider your past. He doesn't consider your past. He qualifies the call. And God is never too late. Never too late. Anytime God shows up, that is the best time. Anytime he shows up, that is the right time. There is no right or wrong time. The time that God shows up is the time. Say, ah, all my mates, they've left me. They've gone. Let me, they've not gone anywhere. When God shows up for you, that is the best time. Look at Genesis. Genesis chapter 12. Look at from verse 4. It says, so Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, 75 years old. And Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord and Abraham journeyed on toward Negev. Anytime God shows up, it's the best time. What happened to Abraham at that point? So, the reason he built two altars, you don't just build an altar. You build an altar out of an encounter, out of a covenant experience. So, I want to believe that Abraham at that point was doubting God. Did you really speak to me? Did you really tell me that I will be the father of nations? Was it you I really heard or was it just my senses, my mind playing tricks on me, trying to make me believe that if I don't have a child now, then it means that God has a plan for my life. 
Did God really talk to me? And then God told them. He said, to your offspring, I will give this land. That is a revelation. And because of that revelation, he built an altar before God. Because of that revelation, he went before God and prostrated and said, God, I've been doubting you. But here you spoke to me. I build an altar here for you. What do they do with altars those days? They sacrifice things on it. So you get to certain times, you feel like, did God really speak to me? But when you are waiting on God and in the presence, you get an assurance again that yes, I heard the voice of God. At that moment, you build an altar. What's an altar? You come to worship before him. You could do an offering. You could do a seed, anything. But just connect to that covenant and say, God, this is my worship to you. I recognize by revelation that you have spoken to me over this matter, over this situation. And then the second time, he built an altar again. And then when God speaks to you, it doesn't automatically mean that everything will go as planned. Sometimes we feel just because God said it, then as I'm going like this now, I will just see one man. Bam. He will just say, Auntie. I say, Huh? He just say, Are you the one? Say, I'm the one. And then, Bam. We will just get married. Or as I'm going like this now, how many of you have thought about it that ah, I'm just going? Someone will just tap me and say, Hello. Take the key to this car. If you've never thought about it, you don't like good things. Eh? I've driven past some houses and I'll be like, can't somebody just say, hello sir, hello sir, hello sir. This house, the Lord just spoke to me. <laughs> say take, I sense that thou art a man of God. <laughs> it doesn't mean that automatically everything is going to go according to plan. Genesis chapter 12 from verse 10. It says, now there was a famine in the land. The same land that God told him, go, leave your father's house. Say, God spoke to me to come to Potakot. And then you came two years, no job, nothing. Say, did God really speak to me? Did God really? I thought that if God spoke to me, I'll just once I land in the city of Patakot, bam, we can we just say, Oh, there's a man in this city, bring him to my office. I said, Did God really speak to me? I said, I prayed, Pastor, I prayed, and I got that job. By the time I got the job, it was as if I was working and I was not working. Did God really give me that job? The same God that spoke to him. The Bible says there was famine in the land. And he said the famine was severe. And then he was about to enter into Egypt. And he told, he said to his wife, Sarah, he said, you're a beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will desire you. And because of you, they can kill me. He said, so say that you're my sister. So that it may go well with me. And my life will be spared. So when Abraham entered Egypt. The Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her. They praised her to Pharaoh. 
And the woman was taken into Abraham's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abraham. And Abraham had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, everything. He said, but the Lord afflicted Pharaoh's house. So Pharaoh called Abraham and said, what is it that you have done to me? Why did you tell, not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? So I took her for my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Not after blessing him with things. So even if it looks like maybe God did not speak to me because of the famine. Could it be that in that famine, God had a plan and agenda? He had a plan and agenda for you in that famine. In that famine. And by the way, um, he didn't lie anyway because um, Sarah was his half-sister. He didn't lie about that. You see that in, um, I think, Genesis chapter 20 or so. Because it happened again with Abimelech. And then he had to explain that she's my half-sister and all that. So sometimes your foolishness can be turned into wisdom if you trust God regardless of the circumstance. So the goal there is to know the God you're working with. Know the God you're relating with. That's the goal. So you understand. There are five things I want you to understand. One, you understand the context in which God is speaking. At that moment, within the subject area, you understand what God is saying at that moment. In Hosea chapter 1, the Bible talked about um, how the word of the Lord came to Hosea and said to him, go and marry a harlot. That's God speaking to his servant. Say, go and marry a harlot. But if you don't understand the context in which God is speaking, you will think that God is approving the marriage of a harlot. No. Understand the context. Then understand the premise from which God is speaking. If the premise is true, then the conclusion must be true. What is premise? Premise is a previous statement or proposition from which another is inferred or follows as a conclusion. So you may not know what God is up to, but you know what he cannot be up to. So when you understand this premise, you can come to a reasonable and fair conclusion. God sometimes may act in a way that looks like he's foolish. But since you already know that he's not foolish and he cannot be stupid, you understand where he's going. And then it's easy for your faith to build up in that moment. And then you can receive the promise that he has spoken. Then you understand God's personality. God cannot lie. That's his person. It may look like a lie. But he cannot lie. He says, before Abraham, I am. And they say, what are you saying? You are not even 30 years old. And you are saying that before our father Abraham, you were? No, what are you talking about? It may look factually, it's a lie. But in reality, it's not a lie. Before your father Abraham was, I am. If he has said I was, it would have been a different thing. But he said, I am. Because I cover both past, present and future. I am. I exist. So, 
understand God's personality. He said, take down this temple and build it back in three days. What do you mean? What do you mean? But he was referring to his body. So understand the personality of God. He cannot lie. Then you understand the principles of God. What is God about? What's he about? What's his code? What's his guy code? What's he about? He said to David in Psalm 89, he says, I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. Once for all I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. That's his principle. He will not lie. So if you are sure that God cannot lie, then you, your faith is stirred up. You are, you are holding on to the promise of God because you know, who, him who has said it cannot lie. Then you hold on to that promise. Those are the things that happened to Abraham. He held on to the promise. Every time you see where Abraham built an altar, it means that at that point, there was a covenant, there was a meeting, there was a, an encounter with God and God assured him that I am God, I cannot lie. I will bring this to pass. Jeremiah 33, it says, Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that day and night will not come at their appointed time, then also my covenant with David, my servant, may be broken, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne. So these are, these, these are ways God shows himself. That look, you cannot break my covenant with the day and night, then what I have spoken will come to pass. At that point, they were doubting that, look, did God really speak to us that uh, uh, David will have a son that will reign on his throne? And then God said, what are you talking about? I made a covenant with the day. I made a covenant with the night. That at an appointed time, they will show up. If you can break that covenant, then you can break what I have promised you. God cannot lie. It says, while the earth remains, sit time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. They shall not cease. The number five, you understand that God walks in palliatives. God walks in palliatives. All of us can understand what palliative is. <laughs> it means that God can tolerate a prevailing idea in that moment. He can tolerate it. Not because he approves of it, but because our understanding cannot capture his excellence in that moment. So God approves what we are used to. That's why in the Old Testament you see that God said in certain points, he said, when they do this, stone him to death. Not because God approves of stoning. No. That was the way they passed on justice at that time. In that moment. So God allowed it. In that moment. So understand that God works in palliatives. So when our, when our understanding, our primitivity cannot capture God's excellence. He gives us what is temporarily available for that moment. For that moment. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Stand to your feet as I close. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. He said, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. So His power has granted us what things? All things. 
all things that pertain to life and godliness. But it says those things come through the knowledge of him who has called us to whose glory? His own glory and godliness. So he's after his own agenda that will bring him glory. He said for this very reason make every effort. Tell your neighbor make every effort. Tell another neighbor make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. So you see, at the end of the day, it's not just I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. Say, so add to your faith virtue. Add knowledge. Then if you see that anything is lacking, add brotherly kindness. Add love. Add godliness. Add steadfastness. Add self-control. He said, for if these qualities are yours, verse 8, and are increasing they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. The same knowledge through which you are getting the glory. If these qualities are yours and these qualities are increasing in you, then your faith will not fail. Your faith will not fail. Because they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful but he says whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins God's plan for you is to live in victory whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world put your hand upon your chest declare with all boldness I am born of God I overcome the world say it again I'm born of God I overcome the world he said this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith so whenever you get to the point where you are doubting whether or not God spoke to you by the time you apply these five things and all the things I've taught you here you'll be able to know whether or not God spoke to you whether it is faith or it is just sheer foolishness because for you to walk in the faith of God you have to understand the God you cannot walk in the faith of someone that you don't understand. You have to understand him. Glory to God. Have you been blessed today? Lift your hands to heaven and worship him. Thank you, precious Father. Can I have the communion, please? Oh, thank you. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Ministries International. For information about Kingsword Ministries, visit us at 
kingsword.org for information and additional resources. Thank you for listening to this message. And remember, where the word of a king is, there's power.